Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in that great big, beautiful town bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay, the equitable bank building across from Winkies, and we can serve as clients at Bonita Springs, Florida. My guest today is Dan Burris, and Dan has been a guest for probably 15 years on this radio show talking about, you know, what's really going on in the world. And Dan has delivered over 3,000 keynote speeches worldwide, and he is a strategic advisor to executives of the Fortune 500 companies, helping them to develop game-changing strategies based on his proven mythologies for capitalizing on technology, innovations, and the future impact. And whenever Dan comes on the show, he brings to us things that we never even thought about. And so, Dan, welcome to the show again. Oh, yeah. It's so great to be here and great to see you again and be with you again. This is wonderful. You know, it was almost a year ago when we were on the show and we were doing shows really relative to the pandemic and what people could be looking at and, and what they could expect. And what what can you tell us about what you've seen where we were, what happened. And I know in the show, we're going to talk about where you can go and the great opportunities that are out there for people. Yeah, well, let me start out by saying there is more opportunity for everyone right now than there has ever been on planet Earth since anyone listening has been alive. Now, I want you to really hear what I just said. There is insane opportunity, but you, it's invisible to a lot of us. It's kind of like the opportunity is a mountain and it's fogged in with news and disinformation and all this stuff that's keeping you from seeing the solid granite mountain of opportunity. So what we're going to do in this show, Karen, is let's blow away the fog, let's blow away the smoke, and let's see that mountain of opportunity. So when we come to the pandemic uh, that started uh, here in this country, March of uh, 2020, uh, all humans on the planet were forced to change. If you might remember, we locked down, everybody locked down. And by the way, the reason is we didn't know much about this virus, except that it came to humans and we knew it multiplied exponentially. We knew that people would get sick. We knew it would spread around the world. And, uh, and so we knew those things right away. Now, here's the reason I'm bringing that up. Humans don't like to change. And by the way, businesses are run by humans. They don't <laughs> like to change either. Hey, we just assume keep doing what we've always been doing. But, the, uh, but when something big and global happens like that, and we're locked down, and you might remember the highways were pretty empty, people weren't driving, we weren't going, remember, it's hard to even remember, it wasn't that long ago, the whole world shut down because we didn't know anything about this thing, except it was killing people and getting people sick really fast. So what happened? We went virtual. We went virtual. And it means that Technology trends that I've been writing about and speaking about uh, for the last 40 years that have been accelerating exponentially, two becomes four becomes eight, uh, ended up accelerating by close to 10 years in a matter of 12 months. 
Now, just think about it. What happened? Well, we have to work remotely all of a sudden. We have to shop online all of a sudden. So what happened? Well, of course, cloud computing advanced 10 years. Uh, let's take a look at uh, education. You could use remote learning technology way before the pandemic, but of course, no teachers, no schools did that. Why bother? But with the pandemic, all of a sudden, we were forced to start using virtualization for teaching and education. And what and now the problem was, of course, teachers had no training. So all of a sudden, they had to use something they didn't know how to use. And of course, we had to get uh, the equipment to, to students. But my point is, we've learned the power. And when we are on the other end of the pandemic, because the pandemic will end, the virus will not, but the pandemic will end. And what that means is that uh, we have learned that you could bring experts into classrooms easily. So let's say that I'm teaching seventh grade science. Why not get the seventh grade science teacher a winner of the year in the United States, beam into my class and talk for about 10 minutes about weather, if that's what I'm teaching. And then I, as the teacher, can take over from there. I mean, we can do amazing things that we never did before now that we started to think, hey, you know what? We, we got a sense of this, we can use it. Let's take another one that advanced and that is doctors. You wanna see a doctor? You're gonna to have to go online first. And uh, you, know, you just don't go to a hospital, you go online. Now, again, they could have done virtual office visits and all of that stuff long before the pandemic, but they didn't, Why? well, they didn't have to. But now what's <laughs> happened is, remember, we're not going back. I ride a Harley Davidson motorcycle. And one of the things I love about it is there is no reverse. We can only go forward. So what we're doing with that is we've learned that we can do remote diagnostics, remote uh, disease management. Uh, we can give you a virtual triage to see if you really have to come to the doctor or if we can just send you to the virtual ER. Now, again, if you're bleeding, you gotta go to the real <laughs> ER, but if you've got a potential sinus infection, we can treat you without you having to go to the ER. So all of a sudden that's advanced 10 years. So we've got cloud, we've got AI, we've got deep learning, we've got uh, all of these things that were accelerated. Actually, there's over 20 of them. And if you go to Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S.com, you can get, you can read my blogs and see all of this opportunity. It's handed to us on a platter. And I think a lot of us are thinking, when are we going to get back to the way it was? And like I said, you can't go back. So as long as we can only go forward, instead of just doing a few tweaks and changes, I would like us to think bigger because the opportunity is far bigger than that. And that because we have exponential opportunity, not just exponential technology, because they go together. I would like us to think, how can we not just change, but transform our schools, our hospitals, our, our systems, uh, our, uh, our businesses, regardless of its size, uh, using tools that some of them are free. Uh, now it does require some new learning. It requires us getting to take a look and open our minds, but we need to spend some time looking at those opportunities. And uh, I know, Karen, I talked to you about it before we went uh, live here, but um, uh, you know, I've got, uh, on, again, on Burris.com, without a charge, you can download my latest 25 trends, uh, technology-driven trends. I've been doing it for 39 years, and they've been right. Uh, it doesn't cost a dime to do that. Take a look and look for one thing. Just look for one thing that you could use to transform how you sell or how you market, or how you educate, or how you train, 
or how you do whatever it is you do, and it would be amazing. You know, Dan, I think people get stuck in this whole idea. I wish things would go back to the way they were, what you said before, and they're not going back to the way they were. And you're either going to be left in the dust or you're going to have to transition to some new way of, of, of learning or living or making decisions or all the things in business because it's not going to go back. It's been pushed too far forward to go back. Well, exactly right, Karen. You're absolutely right. And I just wrote a blog that's been really well read. I got to tell you about the title of it. It just because it really fits what we're talking about here. The title was Everything Sucks, and That's Perfect. And here's what I mean by that. Everything does kind of suck in a way. Nothing is perfect. Perfection is impossible. And I say, great, if everything was perfect, there would be no jobs for any of us. Uh, but because everything is imperfect, and actually, if you go back, everything did kind of suck, if you think about it. Uh, you know, really, is that the best they can do? I don't think so. So in other words, there's a lot of opportunity because everything sucks. There is so many things that can be improved. Anything can be improved because perfection is impossible. So come on, roll up your sleeves, gang. Take a look at something that you think sucks. And you know what? Instead of complaining about it, why don't you make it better? Why don't you think of, well, how could we redefine that? And you'll start inventing the future because there's more opportunity than there's ever been before because everything sucks. <laughs> oh, Dan, that is so funny. My guest, we're going to take a quick break. My guest today is Daniel Burris, and he is considered one of the world's leading futurists in global trends and disruptive innovation. The New York Times actually has referred to him as one of the top three business gurus in the highest demand as a speaker. And Dan, when I think about the um, excitement and, and the passion that you have in talking to my audience for one thing, but all the business owners and the executives around the world in this opportunity that exists. And you're right, it's almost like it's got a fog over it. So we're gonna take a quick break and we come back, we're gonna take those windshield wipers and clear off the fog and see what the other opportunities are. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you would like to know more about our company, you can go to ellenbecker.com. My guest today, and I have to say my guest and friend, is Daniel Burris. And we have been talking about the opportunities in our country and for people to really recognize. And I just want to uh, say that Dan is also a featured writer with millions of monthly readers on the topics of disruptive innovation, exponential change, and the future for a variety of publications, including CNBC, Huffington Post, and The Wired Magazine. And he has been featured in several PBS television specials and has appeared on programs such as CNN, Fox Business, and Bloomberg. And he's been quoted in a variety of publications, including Harvard Business Review, The Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, Fortune, and Forbes, which I just want you to know that, Dan, you're out there. You've got your feet on the street. You know what's going on. And, and you're always looking for opportunities because you've started several successful businesses as well. So are there any other big opportunities that people might just be walking by and not even seeing? Yeah, there's a really big, giant one. And uh, I mean, there are many, but, uh, but like I said, there's more now than ever. So let me give you one. 
we know that uh, the uh, Congress and the Senate are having a lot of uh, trouble looking at the uh, uh, Build Back Better uh, plans and all of that. And you might have, and of course that is stalled and it hasn't uh, gone forward yet and et cetera, et cetera. But what you've missed is the one that was passed. And that is called the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. It is a historic achievement. And what did we pass? 1.2 trillion in funding for the nation's infrastructure projects across all sectors, including 550 billion in new investment. And let me give you a little rundown because look, this is a certainty. Now there's a lot of uncertainty out in the world, but this is one that was bipartisan it was, it's passed, it's law. I mean, the money is already gonna be spent. And when you put $1.2 trillion, you're gonna get a lot of jobs, a lot of people making money, there's a lot of opportunity. And I want, and as I start to read through these dollars, I just want you to remember Elon Musk, who's a pretty smart guy, every business he's ever started was funded by government regulations and government laws, just like this one. So if he can do it, you can be a small company, you can do it too. Let me give you an example of some of them. $110 billion for roads and bridges, 110 billion, 66 billion for railroads, 65 billion for the power grid and power infrastructure, 35, 65 billion for broadband, 55 billion for water infrastructure, 47 billion for infrastructure resilience measures to address extreme weather events, 39 billion for public transportation, 25 billion for airports, 300 billion put into a highway trust fund that's uh, in a five-year period is gonna do resurfacing and reauthorization of all of the, the roads that you and I know have potholes all over the place. In other words, we've got a late 20th century infrastructure. We built this, our parents built the infrastructure you and I are living in. Uh, you know, the, the power grid, all that stuff. And it's been updated and upgraded, not fully. And uh, so we're falling behind. Uh, what are we going to do? Well, we just got the money. We got the law to catch up. And we're not going to start with the old stuff. We're doing the new stuff. So there's opportunity for anyone right now. And I didn't read at all. And remember, a billion dollars is a lot of money. Uh, a trillion dollars is, whoa, even a lot more money. So Take a look and see what you can see. And let me just give you a quick example of how anyone can do this. Um, I'm in California here. I'm in uh, San Diego a good part of the year. And also I have an office and a home, as you know, in uh, Wisconsin, out, uh, out your direction. And um, I've started all six companies actually in Wisconsin. So um, uh, going back to uh, an example, so a couple of years ago, California, which passes about a thousand new state laws every year, it's a big kind of big state, so that's pretty normal for them. There was one of them that said, uh, within three years, every kindergartner and first grader in the state of California, half of their reading has to be nonfiction. And that was passed. By the way, at the time, everything is fiction. The little engine that could is fiction. So half of it within three years has to be nonfiction. And when we hear things like that, we get all upset. We think that, well, we say, oh, it's California. Or we say, oh, this is crazy. Don't they have anything more important to do? Don't look at what you, stop looking at what you don't like about a regulation or a law. 
do the opposite. One of the things I teach in my anticipatory organization book, and that is look at what you do like, look for the opportunity. So a 26 year old teacher in San Diego did what I suggested, looked for the opportunity and made three phone calls. She called the San Diego School District, the Los Angeles School District and the San Francisco School District. By the way, she chose well, they're giant. And she said, <laughs> you've got three years to abide by this new law because that law is gonna happen. And half of your reading has to be nonfiction. If I can provide those books, would you be interested? And they said, well, yeah, I, we don't know how we're gonna do that. And I'm gonna make a long story short, Karen, and that is basically they underwrote her starting a company. They underwrote, became the giant uh, 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 customer for her. And uh, so she created a super successful new big business all for making three phone calls and a new law. And so this wasn't a big company doing it. It wasn't even a small company. It was a, it was a teacher doing it. And by the way, she didn't have to go on Shark Tank either. Why? Because she was using one of the three categories of hard trends that I like people to understand. One is demographics, amazing opportunity there. You've been tapping into that quite a long time with your uh, business, by the way. Because uh, there's a lot of certainty built around the demographic shifts. Uh, secondly, technology, you know, after 5G, is that it? No, it's going to be 6G followed by 7. And is the cloud getting full? No, we're going to have a lot more in the cloud. Uh, so another, and the third one is government regulation. And you look for opportunities in those three hard trend areas and whoa. So 1.2 trillion certainty, it's a law. Who's going to make that money? Who's going to get a piece of that? I think it should be you. Dan, you talk about all these Fortune 500 companies and with all this information that you have, how do you approach these companies or actually they approach you for speaking because they want to keep up with the trends. They need to know what's going on so they can be ahead of the game. You do that through your classes. Can you describe a little bit more how you use all this information that you have to really assess businesses and growing their and growing their companies, but also seeing what they can't see? Right, exactly. Well, you know, I uh, first of all, I have a company. It's not all just me, and we do a lot of things besides just speaking. So there is strategic advising of CEOs and direct reports. And by the way, it can be big companies because I am on the Pentagon's Futures Group and advise the, uh, you know, the DOD, but uh, on AI and on cyber and things like that. But at the same time, I might be working with a Google, but I've worked with Northwestern Mutual Life and companies like that. Uh, I've worked with Kohl's and uh, actually helped them with the idea of uh, using uh, Amazon as a return at Kohl's. I suggested they do that and I, that's been very successful for them in meeting with them. But I also have learning systems. I've got the anticipatory leader, learning system for people that would rather, leaders that would rather not just be reactionary, but be anticipatory. And I have the anticipatory organization so that again, companies can go beyond just being agile, which is reacting quickly after a problem occurs, reacting quickly after disruption disrupts, and instead learning how to become anticipatory, learning how to see disruption before it disrupts. So now you have a choice seeing problems before they happen. So you can pre-solve them instead of just saying, oh, I knew that would gonna, was gonna happen. So I have a system of learning systems. I also have newsletters I've been publishing for almost four decades uh, that feel like the Technotrends newsletter and uh, strategic insights that people can subscribe to. 
And as you said, I uh, do a lot. I, I publish two blogs a week. I've been doing that for uh, 15 years. Just do the math of two times 15 years <laughs> a week. Uh, and I do a major article once a month. Uh, those are in that's syndicated. And, uh, and I think, you know, on LinkedIn, I'm coming up on 1.3 million followers because I do a lot there. By the way, join the conversation. Why don't you follow me on LinkedIn? So I do more than just give speeches. What I'm really doing is helping people learn how to sh actively shape a positive future for themselves and for others, rather than passively sit back and receive it with a wait and see attitude. Because if you have a wait and see attitude, when others are actively making it happen, you're going to be in trouble in a world of exponential opportunity and change. Dan, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, what are some of the hurdles that people you talk to, people within the community, business owners have to get over? What stops them from taking the risk to be part of this whole new world that we have since the pandemic, where you're saying that the opportunity is endless. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Dan Burris. And Dan is one is the creator, he just talked about it, of the Hard Trend Mythology and the Anticipatory Organization Business Model, which is now being used by leading organizations worldwide. And I want to just say also, as I mentioned earlier, Dan has been on the show for probably over 15 years. And his accurate predictions date back to the early 1980s, where he became the first and only futurist to accurately identify the 20 exponential technologies that would become the driving force of businesses and economic growth for decades to come. Since then, he has continued to establish a worldwide reputation for his exceptional record of predicting the future of technology-driven change and his direct impact on the business world. And Dan, just before we took the break, everything you're saying sounds so monumental and in many ways, it's not easy, but it sounds doable, but yet something stops people from taking the opportunity and to take the risk, I guess. And what you said in the very beginning, people don't like change. All right. Well, that's a great question. Well, see, the key is uncertainty does not empower you to make bold moves uncertainty is like a break. It stops you from moving forward. And we have, um, admittedly, we have so much uncertainty. I mean, you know what's going to happen with the midterms? What's going to happen with the next presidential elections? What's going to happen with all of the distrust out there? What's going to happen with the stock market? We just took a beating not long ago. What's going to happen with your home values? They've been doing great. Will they continue to do great or not? There's all this uncertainty. And a, biz a personal uh, plan or a business plan based on uncertainty has high risk. And when there's uncertainty, you don't move forward. On the other hand, you have to ask yourself, so is there anything I can be certain about? And what I've done is really helped define what I call the science of certainty to counter that. Because when you are certain about something, you have the confidence to make a bold move. When, and by the way, from a sales perspective, I love uncertainty, nothing better than a confused customer. Uh, but, I, but the ultimate closing tool is always certainty. 
Because if after you and I talk, if I'm still a little uncertain, what will I say? I'll get back to you. What will I say? I got to get another opinion. But when I have complete certainty about what you have talked to me about, I can write a big check. I can say yes, I can move forward. So the science of certainty is extremely important. So let me just give you some simple, quick examples. Uh, <clears throat> um, I talked, uh, uh, can an astronomer in the year 2040 in March tell you exactly when we'll have a full moon? Of course they can, because there's a science of cycles, weather cycles, business cycles, biological cycles. The stock market is cyclical. Will it go up forever? Well, no. Will it go down forever? No, it will be, it will cycle, it will pulse. Just like, uh, you know, there are biological cycles. There's, you know, spring, summer, fall are cycles. And there's over 500 known cycles. But what I like to tell people is there's another kind of change that used to be slow back in our youth but now is moving at super speeds. And this is what I call lineal, linear, which means it's not a cycle. Once it happens, it's not going back, but it's linear slash exponential because it's, it's growing at a multiplying rate. Once you get a smartphone, you're not going back to the dumb phone. Once the people in India get refrigeration for their home, they're not gonna say, let's get rid of refrigeration. And once people in India park their bike and get a car, they're not gonna say, let's go back to bicycles. So these are one-way directions. By the way, older people chronologically are not gonna all of a sudden get young. Now they can do some things to increase their health, but chronologically, they're gonna to continue to age. And we, can, we know there's a lot of predictable problems there. Let me give you an example, because I said there were three hard trends, and now I talked about certainty. Let me show you how easy it is to create a super profitable business right now. Let me just give you something that this is not happening right now. And then at the end, I'll ask you if you think it will. So we already know, this is a fact, that as people get into their mid 80s and 90s, they fall. And if you look at the statistics, the number of people that break their hips when they fall or hurt something really badly, and that's an expensive repair in the hospital. And it's very, it's very tough for people when they're old to recover from a fall. And there's, that's one of the big problems out there, which by the way, keeps our healthcare costs. By the way, insurance companies don't like this because they got to pay out a lot of money from all these old people falling and getting hurt. So why don't, since we know there's 78 million baby boomers that will continue to get older, there's a lot of old people are going to be falling, which I call a soft trend because there are two types of trends. Hard trends are based on future facts we know will happen. That gives us certainty. And there are soft trends, which are based on assumptions that may or may not happen. If you don't like them, we can change it. So let's change that. Why don't uh, we create a company? And what we'll do is have a little rubberized thing that goes around a person's shoe. And it can, it can adjust any size shoe, little rubber thing. And in the front of that is a sensor. And that sensor is attached Bluetooth to either a hearing aid, or if you don't need a hearing aid and you're that age, you can just put one of these little things in your ear. And when you're walking forward, if there's a step that goes down, it will just say, step going down. If there's a step going up, it'll say, step going up. If Jimmy's toy is in the way, it'll say, Jimmy's toy is in the way again. And, <laughs> and, uh, and what'll happen? We'll have a lot of old people that are not falling because 
their vision isn't very good. They've got a type of progressive bifocal. So when they look down, it's all blurred by the time they're looking at their feet because it's set for reading. That's why they're falling. So let's keep them from falling. Now, that technology, you could, if you were starting a company to do that, how would you get the money? I would go right to the insurance companies and see if they'll underwrite it for me. They're the people that are going to benefit because they won't be writing all those big checks. Now, that sensor that could attach on a shoe, any size shoe, male or female, doesn't matter what size your foot is. That technically, you could do that right now. Easy. There is no product right now, Karen, that is doing that. Now, let me just ask you. Do you think we're going to see something like that? Or do you think you're going to say, no, no, we'll never see anything like that. That's not going to happen. You think that's not going to happen? What do you think? We're going to see it. Well, there you go. That is called, you see, it's a certainty. So here's what I just did for everyone that's listening. I want you to pay attention because this is how you can do amazing things. First of all, I looked at whether that falling is a hard trend or a soft trend. Is it a future fact or is it something that's happening and the numbers are going up, but if you don't like it, you could change it. In this case, it's a soft trend and you could do something about it. So how do we do something about it? Well, I look at technology. And again, I tell you, you could go to the web, my website and find the list of all the tools that are there for you to use. Look them over and you don't have to be a technologist. Remember, all you wanna do is look for something that could help. What would keep an old person from falling? Ask yourself, why are they falling? They're falling because they can't see, because they're looking down, they can't see what's in front of them. Because of bifocals and all that stuff. Most of them are wearing glasses. Their eyes just don't hold up over time. Okay, and is this a growing market? Yeah, 78 million baby boomers. Remember, there's technology, there's demographics is one of the hard trend certainties. Gonna lie a lot more of them. So either we let a lot of old people fall and some of them die, or, we say, look, we'll start a profitable business and save a bunch of old people a lot of pain and have them live longer and enjoy their grandkids and great grandkids a lot longer. You could, so, so you, you see there's a progress. Now, I just pick one little thing. Uh, by the way, you live in boating company, uh, country, I do too. We both, uh, uh, I know you're in Florida now, I'm in San Diego, but we'll be back to Wisconsin on the lakes, I know in uh, summer. And a lot of people love to be another, another quick example. I'll do it fast. A lot of people love to go boating, but as they get older, what happens? It's kind of hard to launch the boat as you get older and you get into your eighties or whatever, but you love the boat. So what if we created the easy launch trailer for seniors designed for seniors? Would we have a growing market every year? Yeah. 78 million baby boomers are getting older and going to have trouble launching their boats. If you did a good job of coming up with a easy launch trailer for seniors, you'd have a built-in growing market. If you went to a bank to get a loan, you could actually give them future facts, look at the demographics to see that it's a growing market. And you could even know what country to export to. For example, Istanbul, average age 28. Well, I'm not going there, but I'd go to Japan. I'd go to the United States. I'd go to not Mexico, they're young, but you know what, Canada's old. Europe is getting older. Actually, China is amazingly aging. The one, one child thing didn't work out so great. So we, there's opportunity. To, I, by the way, I just gave you another billion dollar, not million, billion dollar idea. By the way, let me ask you something, Karen. Do you think you're going to see an easy launch trailer for seniors? Do you think, oh, that's not going to happen either? Forget it. 
there will definitely be an easy launch trailer for seniors because people want to stay young and they want to stay active. And they want to go boating if they love and boating. And they want to go boating. So, all right, all right. Now, see, so what we're doing on this show, I'm just showing everybody how easy it is to create wealth. By the way, could you be a someone who's retired at 80 years old, come up with this idea and get together with some people to help you make that happen? To get a little side revenue because an extra 100 million or so wouldn't be bad. And the answer is <laughs> yes, you could. But we Dan, can all do this. We started out and maybe what we'll do is take our quick break. We have one segment left. We started out with what actually stops people? Is it fear? Is it that they just don't believe in themselves? When you're talking to executives, you come up with this idea like I love it over at um, what is it where you put in the Amazon over in, um, where did you do that again? The Kohl's, yeah. The Kohl's. Uh, that's a crazy idea, but a great idea. I mean, you know, you think about these things. So let's take a break and let's empower our audience to get back beyond the hurdles, take the risk to try something new. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you'd like to know more about Ellenbecker, please go to ellenbecker.com. My guest today is Dan Burris, and Dan is an innovative entrepreneur who has founded six businesses, four of which were U.S. national leaders in the first year. He is the CEO of Burris Research, a research and consulting firm that monitors global advancements and technology-driven trends to help clients profit from technology, social, and business forces that are cover converging to create enormous untapped opportunities. And that's what we've been talking about. But you know, with all these opportunities, and you've only, when you talk about an aging population, when you talk about schools and everything changing, there are so many ideas that you have done, and, uh, Dan, and you've given us many ideas to pursue, but yet, even though they're great ideas, something holds back people where they right. can't I, exactly. do it. Well, it, there's, so there, the one I addressed in the last segment was uncertainty. So uncertainty is a big block that will keep you from moving forward. Uh, another one <clears throat> is um, all of them tend to be based around an assumption that's, uh, that's not true. Uh, so you have to question your assumptions. I can't do that. Uh, surely I couldn't start a company. Surely I don't know what to invest in. Surely there's a lot of opportunity. And see, there's a principle that I'll share with everyone right now that's really powerful. And that is abundance brings scarcity. Scarcity brings abundance. Now, here's what I mean by that. If you can do anything, which is abundant, I could do anything. Problem is you'll have scarce ideas because you could do anything. So what you have to do is flip it around because if you narrow it down to something very small, you'll think of abundant ideas for it. So pick an area that you are familiar with, that you like, that you have a passion for. Now you're focused. Now, instead of saying I could do anything, it's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to be focusing on. And then you pick your one thing and then start looking at what can you be certain about that? Remember my three hard trend categories. Look at regulation. Will we have more regulations in cybersecurity? Yeah, why? Because there's some hard trends at play that politicians can't ignore. They can ignore a lot of stuff. Well, I can't predict all of the regulations going forward, uh, but 
things that I can't see, things I'm uncertain about, don't empower me. I want you all to create a list of things you do know, things you can be certain about, because then you can break through. The other thing that keeps us uh, is our problems. We all have a problem. And one of the principles that I teach in my book, Flash Foresight, which uh, you know, again, New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller, and my latest one, Anticipatory Organization, uh, is uh, whatever problem you've got, that's not it. I call it problem skipping. And that means that uh, you're stuck on something. Something's got you stuck. But to get unstuck, you got to realize the thing you're stuck on isn't the real problem. That's why you're stuck. You've got to peel it back and get down. Let me give you a simple example. Uh, my niece, um, Hallie, uh, she has her first job and she can't save money. So she called me and said, Uncle Dan, I'm trying to save money and I just can't seem to save money. And she knows it's possible because her older sister, Audrey, can save money like crazy but Hallie just can't save money. And she said, Uncle Dan, I'm trying to save money. What am I doing wrong? And I, and I said, well, you're working on the wrong problem. Uh, you need to be looking at how, and working on how you spend money. If you change how you spend money, you'll end up saving money. You're working on the wrong one. Most of us are working on the wrong thing. And that's why you're stuck. So I'd like you to really peel it back and ask, peel it back by asking some whys. Why? And then answer it. And then ask another, and why? And all of a sudden, you'll get down to the real, real problem. And again, I've been working with companies all over the world and uh, world leaders. And whenever I'm confronted with an impossible problem, I'm able to quickly solve it. And I've been able to do that. How? By realizing whatever they said, that's not it. Matter of fact, when I work with the CEOs, the first thing I ask them is, what's their biggest problem? Because I already know that's not it. And once they state it, then I can see the flaws in it and help them to see what the real one is. I remember uh, when I was first met the uh, CIO, Chief Information Officer of the Department of Defense. By the way, it's the biggest technology organization in the world. Just in the Air Force, there's 57,000 IT people. <laughs> All right. So we're talking, and that was just the Air Force. So this, this guy is in charge of this giant thing. And I said, so what's this several years ago when I started working with him? And I said, what's your biggest problem? And he says, well, we got to get all of our legacy systems up into the cloud as soon as possible. And so then I said, well, let me get this straight. If you put all of your legacy systems into the cloud, won't you just have a legacy cloud? And he thought, hmm, maybe that's not it. Maybe there's something else we need to do here. And that's when I started consulting with them on coming up with a system because, yeah, you know, if you take all the old stuff and put it in a new format, it's still going to be loaded with old stuff. You need new thinking. You need to reinvent and redefine. So, again, he was looking at the wrong thing. I'll give you a simple example that you can, uh, you can see uh, what it means. As a matter of fact, let me give you one more. I've uh, got a few seconds here. I was uh, speaking at this big event. There was about 4,000 people in the audience. And when I finished, uh, there was a break and people wanted to come up and talk to me. So there was a line of people wanting to talk to me and sign my book for them and stuff like that. But there was a woman off to the side and I could see her over there and she was just waiting. I could see she wanted to talk to me without other people around. And she waited a long time for the room to clear out. She stayed there and finally everyone was gone and she came over and she said, I got a problem I can't skip. And I said, what is it? 
She said, well, I've got terminal cancer. I've been given about two months to live. I'm actually attending this conference to say goodbye to some friends. They just don't know it. And my problem is I don't want to die. I'm thinking about dying all the time. I can't sleep at night because I don't want to die. I just keep thinking about dying. How can I skip that? <laughs> and I said, why don't you skip thinking about dying until you're dead? And why don't you start thinking about living while you're alive? By the way, that's an opposite, another principle that I teach. Well, I did get an email from her about four weeks later. She was in Europe uh, with her sister on a little tour said, thank you, I'm living. Oh, makes me uh, cry. <laughs> yeah, it, well, but you see, you can even skip that. You can skip anything. So whatever you've got, and by the way, anyone that says, well, I don't have the money. Well, that's why you'll never have the money. It's the wrong problem. You know, it's about urgency. People that you're trying to get the money from don't see why, why you want it, and it's not urgent to them. You need to elevate the urgency of why you need the money, if you're in business or whatever it might be. Uh, you need to use certainty to sell your concepts and your ideas because they're built on things that you and I can't debate because we fully agree. It's powerful. So here's what I'd like everyone to do because I want to give you a to-do here because I don't want to run out of time without giving you a, a, a key thing. By the way, this is doable, very doable. I'd like you to mark off one hour a week and in that in your calendar. And by the way, I'd like you to make an appointment in your calendar, because if you don't put it in there, you'll be crisis managing again, putting out another fire. But this is about opportunity management. If you're going to spend the rest of your life in the future, maybe you ought to think about it. So in that hour that you block off, instead of looking at all the things you disagree with and all the things you don't like and all the things you hate and uh, all the things you're uncertain about, why don't you look at the things you are certain about? What are, what are the hard trends you can clearly see that will indeed happen? What are the problems you're going to have? Because you know what? If you can see a problem before you have it, you could pre-solve it so you don't have it in the first place. That way you won't keep saying, well, I knew that would happen. And I would say, why did you let it? So uh, take that hour, make a list of those things. And if you go to Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com, you can get, um, that's a place you could go or Amazon to get anticipatory organization, my last book. As I said, on the homepage, you can download a free uh, a list of my 25 hard trend technology trends. That's really useful. I've got thousands of blogs. You can search by subject on there. Uh, you don't even have to spend money to do that. And if you wanted to, you could become anticipatory and try one of my anticipatory leaders and join that. Uh, and become, get with other anticipatory people all over the world that have decided to not just be reactionary. So I'd like you to create that list in that hour. And you will get a list, by the way. You'll get a good list. And when you come up with that list of hard trend certainties, make sure you tie an opportunity to it. Because a trend by itself, frankly, I'm bored and you will be too. It's academic. The minute you tie an opportunity to a trend, it bursts into actionable life. So I want you to have a list of certainties and what's the opportunity for you. And you'll get a list. And then I want you to pick one because big lists never get done. Pick one and make it happen because if you don't do it, someone else will. 
And I also want to mention that your book, The Anticipatory Organization, is Amazon's number one bestseller. Yeah, it's been doing extremely well because people want to learn how to anticipate rather than just react. And see, the, 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 there's a two-sided coin to strategy, personal and business. One is the agility side. And everybody's focused on being more agile. Um, but agility is reacting as fast as you can after a problem occurs. Agility is reacting as fast as you can after disruption disrupts. And that's good. There's a lot of things you can't predict. You should be agile. But what I'm doing is teaching the other side of the coin. And that is, there's an amazing number of things you can predict. I would like you being anticipatory to anticipate problems before you have them and pre-solve them so you don't have them in the first place. Why don't you anticipate the things that will disrupt your career, your job, your business? It's amazing when the more you look, the more you see. And uh, you can learn how to anticipate those things. And therefore, disruption becomes a choice. Because today, you're either going to be the disrupted or the disruptor. There's no middle. I'd like you to be a positive disruptor. Thank you, Dan. My guest today is Daniel Burris, and he is considered one of the world's leading futurists on global trends and disruptive innovation. Dan, it's such a pleasure to always have you join me. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. And remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great weekend. Bye.